0: Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast from SDI, the home of spiritual companionship. I'm Matt Whitney. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org. John Mabry is a beloved member of the SDI community, and I'm so Grateful that he took the time to come on this podcast so that we could catch up with Everything going on with him in his life He's been with SDI for over 20 years He's a former editor and a longtime contributor to presence journal our quarterly magazine on spiritual direction and companionship He's a spiritual director He is a prolific author, having written dozens of books on spirituality and mysticism. I counted 23 just on spirituality on his website. He also writes fantasy and science fiction novels. He's a UCC pastor at two different churches. And he makes music with two bands and is working on a solo album. How in the world does John find time for all of this stuff? In this podcast episode, which is just part one of our conversation, we catch up on all the things John is up to. We talk about his teaching practice at the Chaplaincy Institute, why interfaith exploration and openness is an important part of the spiritual journey, and how the heck he finds time for all his creative endeavors. Well, John, thank you so much for your time today. It's super fun to catch up with you and to check in. And so, first of all, just thanks. Thanks for being part of this.
1: Well, my pleasure, and thank you for asking me. It's great to be here.
0: You are a long-time SDI member and our former editor of Presence, just a a long-time participant in the SDI community. And I know that people love you and are curious about what you're up to these days. So why don't we start with that? What's going on in your life?
1: Wow. Well, in the midst of all the the COVID weirdness going on right now, I'm still wearing the five hats that I have worn for years. I uh, pastor two churches, one UCC congregation and one Lutheran congregation. I am still directing the Spiritual Directions Certificate Program at the Chaplaincy Institute in Berkeley, and I'm still running my publishing company, the Apocryphile Press, as well as seeing spiritual direction clients. So it's enough. In some weeks, it's too much. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, already you sound like a renaissance man. I don't know how you do it all. That's a lot of hats. Let's begin with the two churches. You are pastor for two different churches. Do you have to like, well, now we're on Zoom. So it's just one call to another. But I imagine you like giving a sermon in one church and saying hi to people and then jumping in your car and rushing across town and then doing it all over again.
1: It's not quite that bad. I get a nap in between. My Berkeley church meets (laughs) in the evening, so uh, Sunday evenings. So there's plenty of time in between there. Mm -hmm. And they're both very small congregations, so it's a little more than half time when you put them together.
0: I have to ask, do you have to write two separate sermons for two different communities? No. (laughs) Don't tell anyone. Okay. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, but I do have to tweak them for the different congregations. So. Yeah,
0: of course. The pastors that I know who write sermons spend a lot of time on them.
1: Oh, yeah. I oh, yeah. That, that would be madness.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of community that you participate in. Yes. A lot of people to be in relationship with. Yep. Yeah,
1: yep. Yeah. And it's very rewarding and as challenging as you might expect at times. That's for sure. I stay busy in my, uh, my spare time, too. I write books. In addition to my nonfiction, which you're familiar with, I've been writing fiction for about 10 years now, mostly science fiction and fantasy, all of it with mysticism at its center. There's always a mystical event that throws our character into chaos, and he or she has to figure it out and figure out what's going on and what the universe is up to. And then I sing for two progressive rock bands and working on a solo CD right now.
0: Wow. Okay. How do you find time for all of this? It's amazing. I don't sleep. I guess. (laughs) That's a spiritual gift. You are very fortunate to have that. Most of us need to sleep. Okay, what rock bands are you a fan of from like the 70s? Oh,
1: like Yes and uh, early Genesis and Pink Floyd and Merillion and uh, bands that make 20 minute long songs and operatic pretensions, you know.
0: Oh yeah, so good. I uh, am a big fan of Phil Collins and Genesis as an album where it's like Domino part one and part two. I don't uh-huh. know those songs, but it's like 25 minutes of. Oh, yeah, yeah. The tune changes within three or four minutes each time. And,
1: and the more bombastic, the better. And uh, the weirder time <laughs> signatures, the better.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> do you cover any of that stuff or you, you make your own music?
1: Oh, uh, we make our own music.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It's a lot of fun. And it's a good outlet. And of course, all of that's on hold during the shelter in place, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I suppose getting timings right over Zooms, you're not doing any garage, outdoor garage bands or anything like that.
1: No, unfortunately, no. Yeah. But, you know, as far as part of my self-care, I am kind of going into the studio and working on a solo album right now. And so keeping my toe in the water.
0: Yeah, Oh, that's so good. What's the solo record about?
1: Well, you know, I write a lot of music and a lot of it is spiritual in nature. And a lot of it is deemed too religious by my bands for them to to take on. So I've got, you know, this stack of songs that I don't know what to do with. So I'm just going to do a solo album. Nice. Put them all together.
0: Yeah. Are you going to be like Prince and play all your own instruments and just record each one as a track and then layer them?
1: No, I'm bringing in people who actually know what they're doing.
0: (laughs) Very good. And you write sci-fi and high fantasy.
1: High fantasy and urban fantasy. So it depends upon the series that I'm writing in.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Some of them look really fun. I'm looking forward to reading some of the fantasy stuff and sci-fi stuff. I mean, all of it is fun. I just am sort of blown away that you can just dive into projects like this and just crank out content.
1: Oh, well, it's just fun. I have to do it for my own self-care. That creativity is... Part of how I stay sane.
0: Yeah. And so you see your pastoral work and your spiritual directional work as your work. It's calling and it's important. Yeah. But the music and the writing and all of that, you see that as self-care. I like being a creative person. Uh Like working on, on art is, I like it, but it's hard. I get tired.
1: It is hard. You know, I wake up every morning and I write a thousand words. And, you know, it's the first thing that happens in the day. And then nothing else happens until that's done. But once that's done, it's done. I can go about my day. But the thing is, if I write in the morning, it's a good day. Yeah. Even if the rest of the day is terrible, I have written and that makes it a good day. And just finding that rhythm, that discipline where you're writing a thousand words every day, no matter what day it is, then it stacks up really fast, like before you know it. And, you know, with a book like Starting Spiritual Direction, it's like, you know, you finish it within a month. So, but, you know, some of the novels are six, seven hundred pages and I can spend six to nine months on one of those. So kind of depends. Mm
0: -hmm. I mean, to get up and write a thousand words each day. First of all, what a beautiful practice to be like, I'm going to do the one thing that is like most meaningful to me and just do it first. And so that each every day is a good day because I've done the thing that's most meaningful to me. That's the way it works. It's great. Yeah. And do you have like a word count? Or are you like, it has got to be a thousand words. I imagine for you, it's just like you just start writing and suddenly you're at 12 or 1300. And you're like, oh, I didn't even know. Well,
1: it depends upon the day, you know, some days are like getting that thousand words is like pulling teeth. And there are some days where, like you say, I look up and go, oh, we're at 1200. When did that happen? You know? <laughs> Generally, I'll just write to the end of the scene unless it's a long scene. And then, you know, if it's a logical stopping place, I'll just pick it up tomorrow. Yeah,
0: we'll get to the starting Spiritual Direction book. But I imagine that kind of writing for you is pretty natural. I'm just writing from experience and practical wisdom here. But holding a narrative and creating a, a universe and characters and personas and all of that, there's a lot more to that than just writing a thousand words. you got to hold a lot together to make it coherent.
1: It was crazy hard when I first started. My first novel completely kicked my butt. Because <laughs> I was used to writing nonfiction. Writing nonfiction is pretty easy by comparison. Yeah. Because with a long-form novel, you've got to keep so many balls in the air at once and it's not easy it takes a lot of practice yeah the first novel was really hard the second one was easier the third one was easier and they're not getting any easier so
0: (laughs) but the process is becoming more familiar
1: to you yeah of course of course it's good
0: John Mabry is a United Church of Christ pastor, currently serving Grace North Church in Berkeley and our Redeemer Lutheran in Oakland. He teaches world religions and spiritual direction at the Chaplaincy Institute in Berkeley. He sings for two progressive rock bands, Mind Furniture and Metaphor, and also writes songs for liturgy and worship. He is, of course, also an author. He is based out of Oakland, California, and you can learn more about him and his work at Johnrmabri.com. We at SDI are so excited to announce an unprecedented virtual conference for April 2021, which we are calling Renaissance, the meaning of the word being rebirth. This conference is going to be a gigantic sandbox for spiritual companionship and contemplative community. There's no travel cost, no hotel or meal expenses. Attend from your home participate from anywhere around the world, live or on demand. This promises to be the biggest and most extensive gathering of spiritual companions in SDI's history. Registrations for SDI Renaissance 2021 are now open. Everyone is welcome to attend and be nourished by this conference. Go to sdicompanions.org for the details and registration options. I want to ask you about the Chaplaincy Institute. Sure, please do. Yeah, tell me about
1: that. You train spiritual directors is my understanding. I do. So the Chaplaincy Institute is an interfaith seminary in Berkeley, and we train hospital chaplains, hospice chaplains, and spiritual directors. So we have two programs that we offer. And I teach in both programs, but I direct the spiritual direction program. Okay. Are you a founder for that program? I am a co-founder of that program. I co-founded it with sister Pam Falkowski.
0: Okay. And so you have these multiple tracks within that and you have students, is it an online program? Is it something that you sort of low residency or remotely or is it people local to Berkeley? Well, it
1: didn't used to be, but- Well, yeah, we're all remote now, right? <laughs> That's right. And you know, we knew for years that we should get this stuff online but we just couldn't get over the hump. The learning curve was too big. There was no impetus for it. And so if there's a silver lining to everything shutting down is that it really gave us the kick in the butt that we needed to get our programs online. And so now we're completely online with it. And I think when we open up again, it's going to be a lot more hybrid than it was yeah so we're yeah. still gonna have people come in for a couple of intensives but the rest of it i think is going to be online and who knows we may be able to offer in-person and online options in the future maybe different cohorts
0: okay just saying. how do you incorporate the interfaith elements in your teaching in your pedagogy
1: yeah well first of all our students are from all over the map we've got people who are christian buddhist hindu Jewish and the other half of our student body are people who are more eclectic in their spiritualities, kind of, you know, spiritual but not religious folks. And the two kinds of students get along swimmingly, but it gives them lots of great practice with each other too, as far as having hands-on experience of doing spiritual guidance with people who are not of your own faith tradition. And we designed the program from the beginning to be specifically interfaith in nature And so we had to think about how we were going to kind of reframe and everything as we went along. And we decided from the very beginning to kind of use the generic term, the divine, and let students interpret that in the ways that seem most faithful for them.
0: That's such an important question for me is always just, how do we name this thing? Even in my own spiritual journey right now, like finding names is hard i haven't landed on one because they all feel inadequate to Mm -hmm. ask and what i want to ask you is why was it important for you to establish this school with the interfaith component being so important to it
1: well the interfaith component was already in place when i came to the school it was an interfaith seminary from the get-go and i was asked to come in and teach spiritual guidance and then within about a year i think our founder gina rose halpern asked me to design a program for them, specifically in spiritual direction. So that was, I think, 2003. So it's been going for, you know, 17 years now. Not bad.
0: It's not bad, no. It's quite a while, especially in SDI's history. And when you were editor for Presence and you were writing for Presence, I recall articles you were advocating for more interfaith dialogue and more outreach to people from different traditions and orientations or no orientation. This is something that's been important to you in your work for quite a long time. And you are a Christian minister or pastor of two different uh-huh. churches. Why does this interfaith dialogue, why does it resonate with you?
1: Well, I grew up in a Southern Baptist home that was, when I was in high school, pretty fundamentalist environment. And I was pretty significantly spiritually wounded by that experience. And part of my healing was going and getting a PhD in world religions. I wanted to know how other people experienced and interacted with this mystery. I wanted to know what the other theologies were. I think I wanted to know what my options were. And I wanted to crack it open and see if it was bigger than the tiny little object that I was given as a child. And indeed it was. It was infinitely bigger. I like to say that religion is an infinite well of weirdness and you never get to the bottom of it, which is what I love about it. And it was deeply healing, studying other faiths. And as I studied them, as I went deeper into them, I recognized that glimmer of the divine that I had seen in my own faith at its better moments. And could not, for any reason, especially not doctrinal reasons, deny the reality of that living relationship of these people with this God or this aspect of divinity that they cherished. And that really, really, um, well, it kind of blew my mind at first, but I found it incredibly healing. And I wanted to continue to do that kind of work. And so teaching world religions uh, is something that I really, really love to do. And I continue to read pretty widely in other religions. And teaching interfaith ministry just seems like a natural progression from there. Oh, that's
0: beautiful. I'm reminded, you, you probably know this book by Barbara Brown Taylor, Holy Envy. She writes about being a world religions instructor. Do you take students to you know different <laughs> religious communities and places of worship and all of
1: that? I don't lead those field trips myself, but yes, we do.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. Wow. What a rich learning community that you have cultivated and worked with there. It sounds so wonderful.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, I'll tell you about this. You might find this interesting. So a few years ago, I took a pilgrimage and I went to Northern India and Nepal, and I visited all of the sites of the Buddha's life. And while I was doing this, I, I wrote a book called A Christian Walks in the Footsteps of the Buddha. And so I wanted to be thinking deeply about what it means to me to have Jesus as my savior while I lived among and was in community with and talking to people who had a different savior and so it's kind of part travelogue and part history and part interfaith theological reflection it's one of my favorite books and it was just a phenomenal trip in so many ways
0: those are two places i dream of going and my wife partner will never she's like i'm not going there with you i don't want to go to nepal why do you want to go to nepal india is so far away and so I will read it. I love travel books and like Paul Theroux is one of my favorites. Oh, sure. Reading about his train trips. And so that's very exciting to me that you have documented that pilgrimage journey. I will send you a copy. Oh, that's awesome. Well, cool. Is there anything else that
1: you want to catch us up on right now? That's a lot of stuff already. There's it a lot of stuff. Thank you. Does band have a website? Oh, uh, yeah. So one band is called Metaphor. Okay,
0: that's perfect.
1: We just released an album called The Pearl that's based on the second century Hymn of the Pearl in the Acts of Thomas. It's a rock opera, of course. And then my other band, Mind Furniture. We're having our new CD, an illustrated map of the heart. It's being uh, mastered right now. so It'll be out maybe just after Christmas.
0: Okay. Very cool. We'll look forward to those. I'll check out The Pearl. That sounds awesome. Cool. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, wonderful. What a rich life you lead. In our next podcast episode, we'll play part two of our conversation with John Mabry, in which we talk about his book, Starting Spiritual Direction, which is just a really beautiful, practical primer on what to expect when starting out with spiritual direction. So you won't want to miss it. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.